Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We are in the bike hour here and special guest in studio with me today. I'm thrilled to have Nick Carter. Nick, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun conversation. I'm really excited to hear about your experiences in, in Europe. Uh, and of course, as we always do uh, as in, in the beginning of our Blast Beats and Bicycles shows, we get a little Velodrome News recap. Uh, some very, very sad news to report. Uh, most of you who listen to the show uh, will have heard by now that Kelly Catlin has passed away. Uh, she was a big supporter of uh, the local community here and well-loved by everybody and, of course, a, a tremendous champion and, more importantly, a wonderful, wonderful person. And so she's a great loss uh, for the community here in Minnesota, but also the cycling community worldwide. So our condolences uh, and thoughts go out to her family, friends, teammates, and everybody in the cycling community. Um, the NSC Velodrome uh, is having its victory lap season this year. It's going to be celebrating 30 years of racing up at the National Sports Center, and that season will kick off on May 23rd. You can get all the details at nscsports.org slash velo, V-E-L-O. Uh, and then big news for the Minnesota Cycling Center on Tuesday, the 19th, their funding legislation will be heard by the state government finance committee uh, at 8 a.m. So if you are available and willing to come down and show some support for the Minnesota Cycling Center, we would love to have you in the crowd with us. Uh, that's taking place in the state office building basement hearing room uh, starting at 8 a.m. And we're asking everybody who shows up to the event to wear a cycling cap to show the committee members that they are supportive of our funding request. So uh, stop on out. You can learn more about that at mncyclingcenter.org. That is the group that is building the future of track cycling here in Minnesota. All right. So you've joined the show to listen to a conversation with Nick Carter. Uh, Nick, you just competed in your first junior world championships. How do you feel overall about that experience? It was it was unreal. I mean, getting to line up and represent uh, my country for up against juniors from all around the world. It was something to definitely something to never forget, but especially just like a crazy experience to have. You know, as you as you lined up for that very first uh, world championships and you looked around at all of the people who you were going to be riding against, what were some of the thoughts as you were tearing off that coat, getting ready to ride? I lined up next to uh, Ben Tullett, who ended up winning and was last year's world champion. And that was when it sort of set in that <laughs> I was lining up at Worlds on like second or third row next to last year's world champion. And that, I mean, I don't remember much on from that point, but. <laughs> and, and what, as you got on, as you clipped in, got into that first lap, what were you, what were you thinking about I me? Mean, what was the, the mindset? Uh, my goal, I wanted to ride up at the front of the race for as long as possible, mm -hmm. get like, do as best as I can and have a super good race. And I'm happy with how it went. That's I, great. Yeah. Stayed up towards the front in like top five for the first lap, fell back a little by the second lap, but getting yeah. to hear everyone out there cheering for you as you went by, it was it was something else. What was the crowd all the way around the course? I mean, it was, or was it packed into specific areas? What was the crowd experience? Like? I, I don't remember a spot where I couldn't see a gap in the fence or I could see a gap in the fence. Wow. There were people ever, and especially on the, 
backside of the course, mm -hmm. there were not open spaces inside the course tape. There was people packed into any spot they could fit in. That's incredible. And that was really kind of the crowning achievement of your uh, your European career so far, at least. Um, you've had a chance to see some of the courses around Europe. What was that world's course like in comparison to some of those other B Belgian courses you've rode, ridden? Um, I would say, I don't think it was necessarily as European a course hmm. as some of the other ones. It was really fast and partially just because of how cold it was. Yeah. The ground was frozen and it was a lot of power and it was a relatively short lap, but still it was worlds. It was an amazing course <laughs> and yeah, nowhere on the course was like, nowhere was boring. Every part was a challenge in its own way, especially when it roped all together. So <laughs> you had a chance to ride with the U S uh, national team, obviously at worlds, uh, but in a couple of other races, what talk a little bit about what the U S team does for you as a rider when you go to those races. I mean, yeah, from the moment that you basically get off the plane in Europe, they, they take care of everything. They'll, you bring your bikes to the truck, the minute you get off the plane and then they build them up for you. They'll keep them clean, make sure they're ready for even the rides that you go on between races when you're just staying at the house mm -hmm. they'll make sure everything's working if you've got a problem you can bring it to them they'll fix it right up for you yeah beautiful they got food they got dinner breakfast dinner lunch you get to ride into a nice little town and get whatever you want but that's great and and obviously they must help you with strategy thinking through how to ride the race talk a little bit about what they did to help you get ready for that race. Yeah. So, um, they had the, um, coach for Lotto Yumbo and he's also the Netherlands head coach staying with us in between races. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was one of the most helpful for telling us the differences that we would notice in these races and how to race them differently from any of the American races. That's great. It must have been really helpful to have someone who's got that sort of European perspective. Yeah, it, well, I can't think of anything that would have been more helpful than having someone who knows how it all works tell you this is it's going to be different. This mm -hmm. if you do this thing, you'll do better than all these other people. Give us an example of some of the things that that they that he shared with you. Um, the first thing that he told us was that we could not race it like an American race. He said they're going to go out hard but they're just going to get faster every lap. And a lot of us, I don't think, fully believed them. So first lap, there were about three of us up in the front group. And then they just got faster and faster. And pretty soon, none of us were up in that front group. And they were all, they just kept hammering. Every lap, we would drop a little bit further back. And after the race, he came up and he was like, I told you so. <laughs> That's helpful advice. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the things that the team did for you on race day? I mean, uh, how did they get you ready to roll to the line? Um, they would make sure the night before or even two nights before they would figure out what everyone wanted as a pre-race meal, what they wanted for breakfast. Um, they made sure they would get all of our trainers set up for the warm up, make sure everyone had anything they needed to get ready for the race. And then take us to the line. Someone would be there to take all our coats. The minute we finished all the stuff that we took off, we could put back on, stay warm, and then it would be back to the house. 
That's fantastic. What were some of the things that they did in the pits for you? I mean, talk a little bit about how the pits worked for you as part of the national team. Um, they would, they had spare wheels. If you, we all brought extras, Mm -hmm. but if you didn't, they had spares for you. They had so much knowledge of how it worked. They would yell at you as you came by the pits, tell you what you could be doing. I mean, even the mechanics knew how the races worked and they had their own insight to give you. Were they, uh, European mechanics or were they, they were, yeah, there were all of the people, all the guys over there were Europe. And, European. And so they, did you have two pits or just one? We had, I had, um, just one pit bike and they would go back and forth across the pit. Mm. So twice a lap you could, if you wanted, and they would be ready anytime you need to come through. Wow. They'd have someone there for you. I can imagine that if, since it was so cold and frozen that you probably didn't have a lot of mud problems, what kind of mechanical issues did you encounter along the way? Um, I had a good number of flat tires as I was experimenting with lower tire pressures through a lot of the races but otherwise everything worked fine i mean um hoogerheide was very muddy and so we had to pit a couple times just light get a lighter cleaner bike Mm -hmm. but otherwise that and flats were about it for everyone that's great you know when when you got together with the guys who were there with you on the national team you had been competitors just a little bit before in the national championships, what was it like to come together with those guys on the team and work together and train and be ready with, for that race? It was, I mean, everyone over there, you just, you become a family instantly. Cause you're all 16, 17, <laughs> you all race cycle cross. You're all at that level. So everyone gets along super well and they have, they've got a ping pong table at the house that you'd spend hours on. <laughs> and if you're, yeah, if you're not, sleeping or riding you're just hanging out with those guys either riding into town or just going for a walk you can go for a ride training ride with them all yeah that's great the uh the show you're listening to of course is blast beats and bicycles here at 91.7 fm McAllister college radio in saint paul minnesota in studio with me today is nick carter who competed at the you uh junior world championships in cyclocross uh earlier this spring and uh, so we're getting to know a little bit about uh his experiences there as you look back nick on your experience overall in the season what were some of the goals that you had and do you feel like you accomplished them yeah i mean um my coach uh larry foss he were at the fix studio over on minnehaha he at the beginning of the season he had me write down said write down your goals and that way, anytime you, you're not sure if you want to train or you don't <laughs> feel like it, you've got them there to look at and know what you're working for. Mm-hmm. And the first one on that list was qualify for the world's team. Wow. So that yeah. was going into the season. That was my goal. And yeah, we made it happen. That's fantastic. And so other things that you were hoping to accomplish to get yourself in that position, what were some of the things that you had as inter- intermediate goals? What were some of the things that you were really trying to work for? Um, I was working to make it onto the first Europe block that we went on. And getting the call for that was sort of like the, it was the first step in putting everything together. And so that was a great experience to have. How did that come together? Um, we we knew that they were working on the, they had taken all of the UCI junior races so far and they were putting we knew they were making, putting a list together. And then they came up and told that we got a call one night from, uh, Andy Harris, the, or not Andy Harris, um, blank on his last name, but got a call from him and said, Hey, you're invited to the, 
first Europe block. Wow. That we were like, yes, thank you. <laughs> I can imagine you were, you know, a little bit more animated than that. Yeah, a little, right? <laughs> little lost for words when it happened. I bet. And so uh, when you got there, you uh, you had some pretty impressive results right out of the gate. I mean, talk a little bit about how you got yourself all the way up to number four in the UCI rankings. Yeah, it was, I mean, mostly through the UCI junior races in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that got us up there. Yep. And then the first race in Tabor. But definitely getting to start on the front row of the first World Cup that I did, that was that was something that was definitely... You yeah. You don't see the U.S. national team colors in the front row no, of a World Cup very Especially often. to have two guys mm-hmm. line up on the front, was that was motivation. I bet it was. And do you feel like those blocks in the early part of the season gave you the preparation you need to to do what you did at Worlds? Definitely. I mean, there was no way to know how to prepare for that first block because I had never been over to Europe. I didn't know what it was like. So I, we tried, I tried my best to figure out what it would be like and train for it. But that first block definitely coming back from it was, all right, here's what I need to do. If we go back to Worlds, Mm -hmm. these are the things that we got to work on. And, and what were some of those key things that you discovered at that first World Cup? Um, practice running. I definitely knew I had to do more running. And nationals also definitely helped us with that. And practicing riding in the sand and just more drawn-out efforts. And if you had to think about one or two highlights from those early that earliest trip, what were some of the things that are most memorable? Definitely the first time that we got all of our USA skin suits and got to, we all got to try them on at the hotel. That was, that was something that was just getting all the guys there. Everyone, most of us were there for our first time Mm -hmm. getting to put on a USA kit was great. And then getting to line up on the front row was a memory that I'm going to hold on to for a long time. can only imagine what that must have felt like. What was the reaction from some of the competitors? You know, I mean, I'm sure you had a chance to, to hang out and talk with a few people from the other countries uh, that were there racing. What was what was it like getting to meet some of those riders? Yeah, they I mean, they're just they're almost just like us, but they have they do get to race more often mm-hmm. in situations like that. So it's not as much of a shock to them as it was to us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're all it's racing out there is super aggressive. And you just sort of got to establish that you're not going to get pushed around. If someone pushes you, you push them back and then no one bugs you. <laughs> you got to stand your ground, right? Yeah. And, and so as you, as you got to know those, those other riders that you were competing against, did, were you finding that a lot of them sort of had teams and contracts already kind of in hand or futures with, with some of the bigger cross teams? You definitely, some of them you could tell either just because they would have the helmet and the bike from one of the teams that you'll see the pros riding mm-hmm. or you'd overhear people talking about, Oh, so-and-so is going to Corendon circus. You'd be like, Oh, I got to watch out for this guy. Cause mm-hmm. he's really fast. And so you kind of found the wheels to Mark. Yeah. Early really on, quickly. Bet. And yeah. of course, Tebow Nyes with everything that he's got going for him was <laughs> yeah, someone some, to watch. Some genetics there that yeah. might be helpful. Right. Yeah. For those of you who don't know his Sven Nyes is his dad. And, uh, yeah, it's an impressive family for sure. Um, the race prep for those early races. I mean, I I can only imagine that that first race, you were just trying to figure out which way the course went, but how did you prep for those races early in that, that experience over there? Um, 
probably the biggest thing we all did was before we would leave for the races, we would sit down and watch the men's, the elite men races from years past mm-hmm. and see how they have played out. Mm-hmm. So we had an understanding of what to do. But e- apart from asking people who had already gone mm-hmm. what they were like, there there wasn't much of a way to really prepare for them. It was new environment, mm-hmm. new competitors, new courses. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was just getting to experience it all for the first time and then think back on it for future races. Pre-riding obviously is an important way to get to know a, a cross course. How, what kinds of things did you discover and how did you approach those, those pre-ride laps that you had? Um, definitely rode the courses way slower, mm-hmm. made sure to look at all the lines and just watch what the other, what the Europeans were doing on certain lines. If there was a, um, really technical off camber or corner, we would stop and watch, wait until one of the pros came through mm-hmm. and watch how they did it and then give it a try, see if we could do it as fast as they did. And if not, we would have to find another way around it. As, as you looked at some of those courses and you think back to the courses that you ride here in the U S what are some of the main things that are different about those courses? They're, they're so technical. There's very little straightaways apart from the start finish. And if there is, they'll make them uphill or downhill or <laughs> some, something to make you not be able to just ride them like a straightaway. Mm. And just the way that they lay out the courses are, you know, it seems way more put together, way more thought out and guaranteed they've, the courses stay the same mm. over the years. So they've gotten really good at making them either really fast or really technical, Mm -hmm. but they also get all of those Europeans riding on them Mm -hmm. and they, they get to see how it plays out and Mm -hmm. what tweaks they can make for future years. Like uh, Hugarida this year was a completely flipped course from last year. Not completely, but a lot of the parts were just reversed Mm -hmm. and it was, it was difficult, but it was one of the most fun courses I've ever ridden. So that's great. What, obviously weather has a huge impact on the quality of a course, especially over there where it's so much on sand and, and mud usually, uh, as you were, you know, you were there early in the season and then you were there for a little bit later. Did you see some changes in the, in the weather conditions? Um, yeah, the first Europe block that we went on was sunny for most of it, very little rain. And we got, uh, uh Tabor was in the Czech Republic. And that was quite cold. The ground was, there was ice in some parts. Wow. So that was not, no one was expecting that. Yeah. There were a lot of the really fast Europeans were crashing in some of the simpler corners. Mm. And then, um, Coxida, it didn't matter what the weather was. It was going to suck regardless. (laughs) And so that was just ride maybe 50 yards, get off your bike, run for way too long. And then get back on, try to ride a little bit longer and then get back (laughs) off again. But yeah, I mean, every course, regardless of the weather had its own challenges. As you think back on those courses and you saw a lot of different types of uh, features and course layouts and so on, what are the courses that you remember that suited you particularly well? Um, I think in the icy conditions, Tabor probably fit me Tabor and the world's course were the best fit to me out of all of them, just with all the experience of riding on the ice and 
they weren't they were more power heavy as opposed to super technical mm -hmm. so i could get by with more just power on the straightaways and trying to hang on through some of the corners <laughs> but yeah coxida i could not ride the sand and i couldn't run as fast as they could so i was set up to struggle on that one <laughs> and hoogerida was just you had to know how to ride mud mm -hmm. and we knew how to do that but the euro guys knew just a little bit better how to ride it yeah i gotta believe that because they train on those like you said so frequently that they've got an advantage just because that's their natural environment yeah i mean we're coming to their their home courses to race so yeah. for us we're always the guest in there it's it's their course and we're home team and the visitors yeah. right yeah what uh what's <clears throat> what are some of the things that you felt like you learned along the way that made you a better rider as the course went or as the the course of the season went on um definitely learning how they race and then translating that to say the nationals course riding it as recovering on straightaways and then using your power selectively in the really technical sections mm really helped that i think that was what helped the three of us that got off the front at nationals were three of us who had been over in europe and we just i think raced it differently than everyone else did and that course suited a more european style of mm -hmm. racing and so you know thinking back on that nationals championships what were some of the key moments in that race where you knew you had a pretty good shot at being on the podium um from the start, the first um, sort of muddy shoot, when we all got off and ran the downhill and around the corner, and everyone else was riding down to the corner, and we came out of that with maybe five seconds on everyone just wow. from the first lap. Man. And then it was through a sand pit and over a flyover, and by the time we hit the downhill, the three of us probably had 10 seconds on fourth place. Wow. And then from there, it just kept extending. Mm-hmm. And it was all because you had the mindset from your European yeah. experience. That's great. As you think back on those races that you did uh, throughout the fall and into the spring, what were some of your favorites? Um, Coxida, even though it sucked, it was, <laughs> it was the best course, I think, the hardest course that I've ever gotten to ride. And everyone had said, that's the course. Hmm. Like you're never going to ride a course harder than that. You're never going to race a world cup course harder than that. And yeah, it lived up to everything everyone said. <laughs> what was your, uh, reflection on, I mean, did you feel like you were experiencing something special while you were on the course? Yeah. I mean, even though I was just getting passed and passed by everyone mm -hmm. through all of the Sandy sections, it was, I mean, nowhere else was there going to be off-camber sand? Mm -hmm. That's not heard of. And <laughs> sand hills that are going to take me like 30 seconds to run up, no way, there's no way to practice for that. Right. And But getting to race on it was, yeah. Yeah. And I got to believe that those sand hills were really steep too, oh, right? Yeah. It, I, I didn't think that sand could sit at that, that much of an <laughs> angle and not. Gravity doesn't work yeah. that way. <laughs> Apparently in Belgium it does. <laughs> Yeah, that that course is close to the sea. Were there a lot of winds that day, or was it? Oh, uh, it was just it was misty. Yeah, there was it wasn't too windy, or if it was, I was suffering more through the sand mm -hmm. than I wasn't paying enough attention to notice the wind. But 
yeah, just the like sea spray mm-hmm. kind of the mist everywhere mm-hmm. was that that gave it its own challenges. Yeah, I bet. As you think back on the things that you learned and the things that you experienced uh, this fall and this spring, what are some of the things that you want to learn more about or get better at as you extend your career? Uh, definitely just getting to watch the Europeans ride courses. I mean, they approach every part of the course different than we do. And just even getting to watch the elite races at those, the women's race or the men's race, they all take different lines than we would even think about riding. Is that because of their experience, their extra strength? What is the, yeah, that makes I, that different? I don't know. I, they know they've done it enough. They know what can, what is faster, even if it looks slower or what might be a little slower, but it'll help them overall. Whereas we approach most of the corners or obstacles as what's the fastest way around this. Mm. And the fastest way around it doesn't always set you up well for what's say, coming next. Yeah, the next few corners. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's kind of a chess game almost. Yeah. Interesting. As you think about the competition that you faced over there and the things that you experienced, are do you feel like there's a, a gap that can be closed for you? I think if if I work enough for it, I think, yeah, I think that's a doable Gap. I mean, this year was, I was a first year in the mm-hmm. 1718s. And I mean, I was 22nd at Worlds. Maybe there were four 17 uh, year olds up ahead of me. Wow. So next year, looking at that with all the 18 year olds gone as a fresh new batch of riders, I mean, there's going to be fast kids younger than me, mm-hmm. but there also won't be all the kids that look like they're 25. Well, and so. you'll have another year of training and yeah. experience and growth and get to look back on everything from last year. Mm-hmm. Have you started thinking about what that next uh, year is going to look like for you? Um, Not a ton. We've planned it out a little bit. We know traveling with bikes was a pain. So this year we'll have two bikes that will just wait in Europe. Nice. So I won't have to fly with them. I'll do some trips not with the national team, just with our the team I'm on now, Kansas City Cyclocross. Mm-hmm. I'll go over there with our U23 rider and get to try all that out. That's so. great. And you talked, you mentioned KCCX, yeah. Kansas City Cyclocross. That's a new team for you this year. Oh, Talk yeah. a little bit about what that new team experience is like. So I've been I've started racing with uh, Charlie and Sherry when mm-hmm. they had Grand Performance and. Then they created Northstar mm-hmm. as their junior team, and riding with them basically from when they from the time that they started that team, they I think they've got the best junior program, at least definitely in the Midwest, probably in the United States. For getting kids who are starting the sport mm-hmm. up to a level that most of them I don't even think expected to be able to get to. So they obviously put laid a good foundation yeah, for you. Yeah, they they have they had such a good foundation, all everything that I would need to know to be on almost an elite team. So by the time last well about road nationals last year, so in June, thinking forwards towards the first year in the seventeen eighteens, I had been talking with Bill and he knew he had a team and he said he said he wanted juniors. Yeah, Bill from Bill from Kansas KCCX, City. yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, well, you could you race with our team. And we thought about it. We looked at everything the North Star had, everything that they had. 
And it was sort of, we figured out that as good as good as North Star is at getting juniors to that next level, mm-hmm. there there's comes a time when they hit that next level. Mm-hmm. And that's, we decided, we decided that, that was going to be this year. And I think it was a, I think it was a good move. And KCCX was great in every aspect. And, you know, obviously uh, what we've seen from the North Star development team over the years is they've produced, like you said, a number of really talented riders and and trained them yeah. to get to that next level. What were some of the things that, that the Townsends, Charlie and Sherry, uh, have done to get you ready? They, to start, they teach you every, like, basic foundation that you mm-hmm. can need. And when you're even, when I started when I was 10 or 11, Wow. Things that I wouldn't, I probably didn't understand then, (laughs) but I knew them thanks to them. Yeah. And then when it came time for something that, that involved those, Mm -hmm. I already had them and I could use that to my advantage. And Charlie had, he's national champion. I don't even know how many times. And he knows so much that he could tell you like before races he would just, I mean, when I was 13, I was like, no one knows how a race is going to go before it starts. <laughs> right. And then he'd say, don't do this. Don't do this. Wait until this happens. And it took, it takes some self-control when you're 13 to <laughs> not go with every attack that goes, but it worked out and they know exactly what they're talking about and they have the best program to get people through that. That's great. Yeah. There are adults who don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think if everyone had a chance, had an experience like North star to get them through the first, their first few years of racing, mm-hmm. I think it would be an entirely different. You would go to some of their spring camps out in California, yes. wouldn't you? Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to theirs this year as an alumni no to kidding. ride my brothers on the team. And mm-hmm. I've got friends who are on the team. That's great. And yeah. I'll get to go back and ride in San Diego with everyone. That's really fun. What was some of that experience like? I mean, I, I got to believe that almost that pro camp experience had a real positive impact yeah. on you. I mean, you you think you realize that everyone there that it's just juniors, but you feel like you're on a professional team. You've got a car that'll follow you if you need it. You've got a big group to mm-hmm. ride with. You've got the routes are all planned. Yeah, it you got food when you come back, food in the morning. Yeah. You've got time to go down to the ocean and swim, boogie board if you want. Yeah. Fun. So it wasn't just work. No, it is not just work. It was so much fun. That's that's fantastic. You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at ninety one point seven FM McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota, here in studio with Nick Carter from Kansas City Cyclocross. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry, and I'm an actor reaching out with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, which works with private landowners to protect wildlife, preserve natural habitats, and create permanent sanctuaries. To learn more, call 800-729-SAVE or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. All right, welcome back to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Nick Carter in studio with us talking a lot about his experiences on the cyclocross courses of Europe over the last uh, several months, culminating in his world championships experience in Denmark. You just started talking a little bit about uh, your new team, uh, Kansas City Cyclocross. Talk a little bit about what, why you decided that that was the right team for you. Um, we had decided that um, being at the elite 
the highest level of the junior racing, all the other competition was either there. Most of them are on, like um, Alex Morton and Magnus Sheffield are on the Cannondale Devo team. And that is more or less the pro team for juniors. Mm -hmm. They've got their mechanics, they've got bikes, they've got training camps, things like that. And we knew that Bill had a program very similar to that. And we had talked with him and we know that he bases his entire plan of things around the same way that Stu Thorne, the Cannondale director does. And with just all the support that we knew we could get at races and support from sponsors, we just figured that that would be probably the best move that we could have made. What was your first exposure to KCCX and how did you learn about the program that Bill has down there? Um, I talked with him on the phone a lot during the road season, thinking about it. And then the first race that we really met him at was at Jingle Cross in Iowa. And you had already decided to be on the team by then. Yeah, and we were racing on the team then. And we saw him at Trek Cup too. Mm -hmm. And just getting to be around, I mean, we were based out of the SRAM tent or the feedback tent at those races and having all the support that we needed really from any of those sponsors and just from Bill and his other mechanics Mm -hmm. and especially the other riders on KCCX was just great. That's fantastic. What were some of the things that Bill and their system brought to you that elevated you to that next level? Um, for, well, for one, the bill is very good mechanic and especially in the pit, he knows how everything works and knows how the races are going to go. And there would be some races where I, my mind would tell me, Oh, I'll let that guy go. He'll come back and I'll come by, I would come by the pit and Bill would say, Nope, Go get him. Give it everything you've got. Get on him because that's the move. And I would go up and get onto that guy, and then that would that would be the move. And afterwards, coming back, so I'd ask him. I'd be like, "How did you know that was going to be like? I've seen enough to know." <laughs> that's really interesting. And so as you as you think about as you thought about preparation for some of those uh, those early rides with the those races with the team, what were some of the things that he kind of laid in as far as a plan was concerned? Um. He had the basic layout of how it was going to work. And the one thing he stresses enough or that he stressed was that it wasn't his way of doing things. He wasn't like, this isn't the bill way of doing things that that was the right way to do them. That he was just going along with what he's seen other people do that works the best. Mm -hmm. So knowing when to get to the course, when to start warming up, what to wear to the podium, what to wear when you're walking around, what to race in, just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Anything that you could have a question about, he had the answer to it. That's amazing. And I got to believe that that set you up very well for your trip over to to Europe. Definitely, yeah. Knowing what to bring, what to be prepared for, and then just how to act around all the Europeans and even having some of the sponsors that we would see at American races over in Europe, being able to go talk to the SRAM guys in Europe and say, hey, this thing's not working. You're the SRAM tent. Like you guys know how this stuff works and having them be able to fix it right there. That's, that's huge. And, and I'm sure that confidence to know just, you know, you can get up there and ask those questions. And, and he also know, he knew a lot of, um, Euro pros. So at Hoogerheide, I got to do pre-ride laps with one of the guys from the elite men's race. Wow. And getting to follow those guys around the course and see the lines that they took and then follow right behind them was, that was the most helpful thing, I think. 
That's priceless. Yeah. That's priceless. Wow. And so did you, uh, obviously there were a few things you must've picked up from, from those yeah, experiences. From following those guys around. It was, yeah, the way that they would warm up, the way that they would go ride the pre-ride laps, how, how they would even go out and say warm up for the pre-ride laps was, wow. yeah. Interesting. When, when you think about, uh, next season, next fall going into, to cross, what are some of the plans that you have? Um, it'll be a, our biggest plan I think will be hit bigger races, not just the UCI junior races, but also go out and do say like ruts and guts, some of those Gloucester mm-hmm. races like that. And maybe even race in, we can't do the one twos or the elites yet as we're juniors, but racing in the, even with adults in the fastest races that we can do mm-hmm. just to get that experience of in America, what that's like extra speed, yeah. extra power, mm-hmm. and then bring that over to Europe ideally. And, and do you have a plan for your European campaign mapped out yet? Um, no, not yet. It'll be, I mean, it's all based. I, hopefully we get invited back mm-hmm. that that's the first goal mm-hmm. is go back to the Europe blocks. But if not, we would still go over and do some racing just with, KCCX mm-hmm. and that we haven't planned any of that out yet. Got to work the logistics for all that. But. Sure. What about uh, training? Now, I want to talk a little bit about your road campaign, but what are you doing to specifically plan for uh, the cross season? Uh, not much right now. Right now it's full. It's changed the cross fitness over into more longer endurance fitness mm-hmm. for road mm-hmm. and then planning out how the transition from road season to cross season will go work on getting that's with bill and with uh larry foss Mm -hmm. my coach getting a quick change of fitness from long road racing Mm -hmm. over to cross really quickly to go over to europe yeah i gotta believe that transition is going to happen really quick yeah i mean just the transition i got back from worlds in february on a monday and then flew out to or Arizona Thursday for Valley of the Sun for the first road race. <laughs> was that uh, was that an eye opener for you? That was an eye opener. <laughs> I, the road race was about three hours longer than any ride I had done in the past oh. five months. And At what point did you say this is dumb? <laughs> eh, it was probably about an hour in. I was like, oh, I no longer feel good. <laughs> and and so did you feel like that was a good uh, beginning for your your road campaign? Yeah, definitely to get. The to start moving the fitness back over, and then especially with that finishing in a crit, which races a lot like a cross race does. I won the sprint in the crit, which sort of it boosts the start of the road season mm-hmm. and helps for coming off of cross season. You're a fairly accomplished crit rider as well, with yeah. uh, some some stars and stripes on your back from from that experience this year. What uh, what's that feel like to be a national champion in the Criterium? It's I mean. The only thing that I had before was from uh, cross and that's cross is like a one-time thing or like a one type thing mm-hmm. that gets cross cross is different than everything else. Mm-hmm. And crits are, it's almost anyone's game. Like I wasn't on any of the big teams yet. So I was basically freelancing while the two main junior teams, hot tubes and Lux sort of clashed it out mm. and they ended up hot tubes, sent a rider out with maybe 11 laps to go. So and fairly early, fairly early. Yeah. But they Magnus Sheffield, who also races cross and is one of the strongest juniors, I think to ever come through no America, kidding. he is wicked strong. And 
he soloed for 10.8 laps, basically. <laughs> and Lux had everyone on the front trying to bring him down. Yeah. And they caught him in the second to last corner. And then Hot Tubes didn't have anyone left. And Lux didn't have anyone left. And it was the last lap. And everyone knew it was just going to be not only a field sprint, but a field sprint among everyone mm -hmm. because the two big teams didn't have anyone left. Wow. And yeah, out of that field, I had the best sprint at the end out of everyone. That's fantastic. How, how did you set yourself up for that final lap? I mean, you had to have been following wheels like crazy. Yeah. I was trying as hard as I was on the back of the Lux train that was bringing Magnus back. Mm -hmm. And then they caught him coming out of the last corner and then they were done. And then I was sitting second wheel, which you want to be uh, far up there for the sprint, but that was a little bit too far up there. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, someone came by me on the inside coming out of the last corner, and then I waited for them to start sprinting and then just came around them at the end. So you got a little bit of a lead out from the big train, and then you found a, a good wheel to pull yeah. you to the line. And how did you know that that guy was going to be able to, to get you there? I, I, part of me didn't. I knew... I coming out of the last corner, coming into it in second wheel, I was prepared to just sprint from the corner. I was like, that's, I'm not going to wait. It's nationals. I can't wait. Right. I got to go. And then he came in front of me. And at that point it was like, it doesn't matter who this is. I'll ride them as far as they'll take, take me. Yeah. Take the wheel. Yeah. But then it's going to be all me to the finish line. And when did you break out of his slipstream and, and go for it yourself? About the time that he jumped around the kid who was leading out of the corner. So it was quick. You didn't yeah. get much of a pull from him. He jumped to the left and I knew that he was going that way. And so I jumped to the right and then no one was on my wheel and I just took it to the line. Wow. And were you, were you clean coming across the line or was it close? No, I think I had two or three bike lengths by the wow. time we got there. That's an impressive final sprint. Yeah. As, as you wear those, uh, you know, American colors on your, uh, on your suit this year, what, what do you feel like people are going to be, uh, doing to keep you from success this year yeah i think it'll definitely be marked mm -hmm. like that that's a target on your back regardless even if it's from years past it stays everyone mm -hmm. knows and so it'll be either try to mix it up work with our i'm on hot tubes this season mm -hmm. so work with those guys to maybe try to solo some races because that's not what people would expect right or probably not go up a hill i don't go up hills fast <laughs> but do something unexpected that people aren't watching for or wait until someone who else who they're watching goes and sit back. And when they bring him back, counterattack, just anything that's not what people would expect. So keep them guessing essentially yeah. is what you're, yeah. you're talking about. That seems like a really smart way to approach it because if people have been watching how you've approached races in the past, you know, they're going to expect you to do the same yeah. thing, right? I mean, I got by last year with, I won the field sprint in the road race, even though there were three up the road and assumed that I would be marked in the crit, but apparently I, apparently I did, it didn't do enough to make me a marked rider. But yeah, last year I had the cushion of not being marked in any sprints, mm -hmm. but I think this year will be different story. bit of a challenge. Yeah. And, uh, talk a little bit about the hot tubes team and what's, uh, what the plan is with them. Um, I mean, they've, they know they've been around for almost 30 years as a junior team. And so they've seen it all. They know how it works and they know, they, they know what we're all capable of. 
And so it'll be a mix of having people try things that aren't in their comfort zone and all in all just working the best we can as a team if it's people doing things that they don't like <laughs> but if it helps the group overall it'll be that'll be the move so so you really are on a on a group that's focused on the team results yeah yeah the big thing they stress the most is it doesn't matter who wins if one of us wins we all win mm-hmm. so don't race selfishly do everything you can to get one of us to win because that's better than just want like just one of you racing for yourself. Yeah. That'll never help. Right. But if you've got everyone racing for anyone on the team, then you've got all those options when it comes down to the finish. Who are some of the other options on the team? Um, everyone. Everyone could win, depending on what it is. Wow. We've got guys who are really good at time trials, guys who can get in a breakaway and just stay there as long as they want. Guys I can we've got guys if it comes down to a sprint and I'm not there, we've got guys that could still take it. If it's going up a hill, we've got guys that can fly up the hills. So That's great. How many people are on the team? We've got eight right now. At our last camp, we picked up one more. Mm-hmm. So, What's the schedule like for you this spring? Um, most of it is if any of us can get on the national team trips. That's like the goal for everyone. And then in May, we'll go to Belgium and do um, Axel, which is or yeah, three-day race. And then in, we'll stay there for that next week. And then we'll do Frankie's race, which is a one-day road race in Belgium. And then it'll come back. We'll have a little bit more time. And then nationals. And then after nationals, we'll go and do junior two of Ireland. Wow. So what are your American races that you're going to do? Um, I will do the quad cities. I'll do lacrosse. And then depending on how some of the others fit in there, we'll piece stuff in. But quad cities and lacrosse, and then I'll probably come back and do races in Minnesota mm-hmm. during the year. And then Southside Sprint is the state crit championship. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm coming back for that. <laughs> and I think you've stood on the podium, uh, at least on the top step, at least once or twice. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I did the one twos last year and mm-hmm. got a little little destroyed in the end, but <laughs> that's that's good um, things to have. Yeah. In the past. Absolutely. Being able to look back on that now, mm-hmm. even if it's just Minnesota racing. I mean, those guys are quick. They what know. what uh, are you going to be doing some one, two races uh, as, as well as junior focused races? Yeah. Um, at Quad Cities, I'll be doing the one, twos at all those. At Lacrosse, I'll be in the one, twos. So. Mm-hmm. That's great. As you think about the road season and you think about the upcoming uh, cross season, are you starting to feel like you're one style of a rider or another? Not yet. I mean, during cross season, I'm like, I think about, oh, I'm a cross rider. And then as cross season keeps going and keeps going, I'm like, oh, it, I do miss road. <laughs> like, I, well, I'll, let's do that. Mm-hmm. And then road comes around and halfway through road, you start missing cross and then it just flip flops every year. And so you really are just enjoying the moment. Yeah. For right now, I'm, they're all fun. I can't pick one over the other. So. How, uh, how do you manage, you know, as a junior in high school to balance your schoolwork and your racing? It's tough. I mean, when I went over for the first block, um, Magnus Sheffield and I were the only two guys over there that were still doing public school. Everyone else there was just doing all online. No kidding. And we looked at that when I was about to go over to Worlds because that was about a month away from school. Mm-hmm. 
And we thought about the things that you then miss. You wouldn't be with your friends all day. You don't get those activities. You don't get to do a band or stuff mm-hmm. like that. And But it would be easier. But then thinking about all the time that I'm not over in Europe, where I'd just be here and I'd have to stay at home, just do school on my computer. And we talked with the counselors at uh, South where I go. And they said, I think right now, they said, we're, I'm not gone enough to warrant doing online school. Wow. And next year, I've had to draw, like I had to draw band. I've dropped the extra engineering classes just so when I do go, I'm not going to come back missing seven classes worth of work. I'll only have like five or four classes that I have to make up. So it seems like they've been really supportive of you. Yeah. My principal is super supportive of everything that I do, make sure that the teachers get me what I need to do when I'm gone, make sure that no one's just assigning me everything mm-hmm. that kids who are in there has to do. Yeah. Got me school gear when I went over there the first time to cool. represent while I was out there. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. What, uh, what do some of the kids in your class think of what you've been experiencing? Um, I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of jokes, but we're all come back <laughs> and like, Oh, look, who's still in school. Cause I'll miss like month long months at a time yeah. and then come back and have to just try to fit everything right into what everyone else is mm-hmm. doing. But yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone likes it. Everyone's supportive of it. That's great. What's, uh, what's been the hardest thing for you as far as school is concerned? Um, I think missing math, having to, I'm in pre-calc right now and having to do all that on my own when I'm gone is it's tough, but I mean, then I'm teaching myself so I can make sure that I understand all mm-hmm. of it. Are you getting some help from tutors or? Yeah. Staying after school, mm-hmm. working on it. You've obviously got some decisions to make in the next couple of years about college. Yeah. What, uh, what are some of the things you're thinking about? Um, right now we're just looking at, uh, cycling schools that have good programs. I mean, college is a call. We're going to college. That's, that's the thing that's happening. You guy don't want to go through. And that's what, uh, Bill, my cross director has told me. He's like, if you're on this team, you're going to college. Wow. That's impressive. He's had, he said, he's had people come through who don't go and they think they're going to go pro in cycling and then they don't. And then they're 28 and haven't gone to college and they've got to figure out what to do. That's tough. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing about the men's and women's Peloton. When you think about it, the women's Peloton is much more uh, educated in terms of having college experience yeah. than the men. And, uh, and you see a lot of that. So it's really good to hear that, that your, your director yeah. is really pushing you that way. And I'll probably do one or two gap years after high school to basically take it as far as I can go, see how it's all going to play out. Maybe see what teams there are, stuff like that before making a decision on everything. So both road and cross. Yeah. Good for you. Seeing, Cause at some point I'll have to make a choice to do one or the other. I mean, road, if you get, if I say get on well, like a Volo or action, one of those elite U 23 teams, mm-hmm. that would be a more, more or less a four year thing or a full year thing. You've got guys like gauge hecked on a Volo who can do cross and road, but he also, won a stage at the Colorado classic. Like he's really, really good. Yeah. And, and as you think about your career overall, I mean, what are, what are the, some of the goals that you have for, for cycling? I mean, ideally like main goal, but I want to go pro in something. I want to be on one of those teams that 
you get to watch on TV, see them doing those big races, but it's a, it's a climb to get there. You got to make the right choices to Mm -hmm. get through everything. And if it doesn't work out, you've got to have something to do. So, yep. That's, uh, it sounds like you've got some good plans laid in at least to get you over the next couple of humps in your, uh, in your career. That's for sure. Uh, take me back in time. What was your first bike? I think the first bike I that I started on and started with Cross was my dad had built his own uh, Cooks Brothers BMX bike, <laughs> and it was a single speed, like little. It's got the foam thing on the top tube. Sweet, and that's what I started doing Cross on little twenty inch tires. Oh, like man. I had to. How old were you? I was nine when I started Cross. Wow. And so I had to pick it up by the down tube to get over the barriers. <laughs> step on them to get over but yeah i mean that was and looking back at all those pictures it's like man that would have sucked like, I, can't, I can't imagine doing that now well look how much how much stronger it made, yeah right? <laughs> and what if you look at all the stable of bikes i mean you obviously ride some some top end bikes what's what's your favorite bike in your stable yeah right now? um so right now i our new road bikes on hot tubes were on the 3t strata and wow. that's a one by road bike too that's, We've got wow, no front derailleur, no nothing. It's super stiff, super aero. Wow. So far, all the riding I've done with it, I like it a lot. I was, uh, you know, that seems to be a trend now. People in cross, in particular, going to a one by. Yeah. Um, did you notice that a lot in the in the field? In cross, there? I definitely saw that, but it's also it's more normal now mm-hmm. for people to have one by on cross bikes. For road, it's not yeah. really. No one really does one by, and so it was thinking about what gearing we're going to do because juniors have the rollout they've got to meet right, limitations yeah. on your gear and yep. s- but it worked out i think we're running 40 10s or 40 11s and it meets junior regulations mm-hmm. and if you run a 11 36 rear cassette you can still get up hills so. yeah i was gonna say you have to have a pretty wide gear ratio on the in the back to get make those climbers feel comfortable with yeah. the gearing Definitely. Or not even the climbers, just I go uphill slow. I, I need that big <laughs> <Right>. gear. <laughs> That's a very good point. I mean, when you're in a sprint, you know, obviously you're going to be all the way at the uh, at the far end anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's I mean, really interesting. And all of our sprints, regardless with junior gears, are pushing 150, 160 RPM just wow. to get through them. So. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great skill to learn too, obviously, you know, to get that, uh, high cadence. Yeah. Uh, cause you need that in a lot of those, those sprints. Yeah. For sure. And especially racing, road racing over in Europe where they've got the limitations too. Mm-hmm. Those guys will, they'll still ride wicked fast and you'll just be spun out the entire race. Wow. Well, it sounds like you could probably uh, benefit from hanging out at the velodrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get get yeah, some cadence I've, going. I've thought about doing that. I mean, it's a ways from our house mm-hmm. to do any normal trips, but I've ridden on it a few times. I rode the one in Colorado Springs mm-hmm. and yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, one season left to do it. So, so now's your yeah. time. Well, it's been fantastic hanging out with you, Nick. I can't believe an hour is, is gone already. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really great to talk to you. How do people stay in touch with you and, and follow what you're doing? Um, I'll do the most when we're at races, I'll do updates on my Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook. And what are those accounts? What are the addresses? Um, my Instagram is Nick Carter, all lowercase and period between the E and the R. Mm-hmm. And I think my Facebook is the same. All right. 
Well, we'll make sure that everybody has access to that. I want to wrap up with our event calendar. Uh, today, the Udapils Food Bank Alley Cat Race is going on up by Udapils uh, Brewery here in Minneapolis. Uh, tomorrow is the Lopet Winter Triathlon over at the Trailhead. That should be uh, fun. And, you know, with all the melting going on, it's probably actually going to be swimming and not skiing over there. That could be entertaining. Uh, next weekend, the 23rd and 24th, we have the e-bike challenge going on at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Uh, 30 Days of Biking kicks off on April 1st, of course. Uh, tune in next week. Patrick Stevenson, the co-founder of 30 Days of Biking, is going to be here in studio with us. Uh, Meesville 56 is coming up April 27th. And the Minnesota Ironman bike ride is June 15th. Thanks for spending the hour with us, Nick. It's great to have you in the studio. Yeah, thank you so much. Bicycle, bicycle, I want to ride my I don't wanna be a candidate for Vietnam, I wanna gain Cause all I wanna do is 